By the time they're 37, most people are locked into their career and it's full steam ahead. But not always. I'm Tom Maley, and this is Write You a Song. Our guest this month is songwriter Liz Rose, whose career really didn't start until she was 37. But once it did, it was full steam ahead. And there's no two the same. Oh, it would be easy to blame all these songs about her. The years that have followed have brought her awards, CMAs, ACMs, Grammys. They made her one of the most sought-after writing partners in Music City, a role she settled into quite comfortably, despite also being a mom, a grandma, the owner of a small boutique, and the founder of Nashville publishing giant Liz Rose Music. Somehow, she still found time to break off a call and talk about her craft, which she does candidly, insightfully, and hilariously. But before we start, a shout-out to Songwriter City, the best-kept secret in the world of entertainment and the folks who help make this month's interview possible. Songwriter City makes the mostly unknown people behind the songs we all know and love available to you, bringing world-class songwriters like Liz Rose or Tim Nichols or the Warren Brothers to your corporate or special event. Hearing their songs and the stories behind them will make for an event your guests will not soon forget. So for more information, go to songwritercity.com or email info at songwritercity.com. And now, on with the podcast. Liz Rose, first of all, thank you for joining us on Write You a Song. We really appreciate uh, your time. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. So you're a mom, you're a small business owner, you're a music publisher, you're a Grammy-winning songwriter. Do you ever sleep? No. <laughs> and I'm a grandmother. Um, you know, no. Yes, I do. I do. I do. I, I sleep. Uh, I usually, yeah. Right now, no, I don't feel like I am. <laughs> do, do you do you get like a, a, a solid eight hours or are you the kind of person that just gets sleep where they can and you can function that way? No, I got to have, I got to have seven, eight hours. I don't always get it. Like I didn't get it last night. I've been traveling and, uh, you know. You know, you get things on your mind, and um, but yeah, I usually I like if 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 I don't have a show or I'm not playing, um, I'm usually in bed by like seven thirty. <laughs> you could be in morning radio. I know I could. Well, come on, bring it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I was up at five this morning, and and you know, half my day's over by noon. Do you do most of uh, most of your writing? Go through most of your creative process during the. When are you best? When when are you most uh, awake creatively? Um, it, it, ten, eleven, and ten, nine, ten, eleven in the morning. You know, uh, it, they get keep getting moved back, but I'm best honestly at ten o'clock. We've when we used to start in Nashville at ten, and now it's gotten to eleven and eleven thirty, and. You know, by then I'm thinking about lunch, so I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm having a I, honestly because I get up so early, so I'm having a hard time adjusting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just got through with a write, and it didn't start until twelve thirty, and I and I also have a hard time of showing up 
anything after 10, I'm always starting minutes late. I don't know why. Um, is is so that is that working with some of the younger writers in Nashville who are maybe staying no, out a little later? No, I think it's just evolved, and I don't know why. Um, I think we got out of our 10 and 2. Um, you know, we used to write, used to typically everybody, we all wrote twice a day. We had a 10 o'clock and a 2 o'clock. And um, it's just the way this town worked. And I I don't know what happened, um, but we've, we've, gradu- we've gradually gotten out of that. I mean, I know a lot of writers that do still do doubles. And the problem is if you do a double now, you don't start until three. Um, you know, by five, I'm hungry again. And, <laughs> and I'm tired. So you're pretty much driven yeah. by food. It, it doesn't have anything to do with Grammys or hit songs. It's it's all about can we get this done so I can eat? Yeah, or it's time for a drink. You know, <laughs> <laughs> now, it's I've, crazy. I've heard that um, with, with, when writing with you. Uh, that, that you will, in particular, really kind of set things up nice, and there may be a, a, a bottle of wine on the table. Is that true? And does that help the creative process, or that can can that inhibit? You know, that's usually that's usually at my house, and that's usually love junkies. You know, okay. Um, and that's a, explain to, the love junkies real quick for those who don't know. Love junkies is me and Lori McKenna and Hillary Lindsay, and um, in fact, we're. We have Love Junkies next week. We we hole up in my house and have a three-day slumber party, and we write songs. And uh, we have, you know, girlfriend time and, and songwriting time. And a lot of times we'll bring in an artist and just, it's just, it's our it's our work time, but it's our downtime. It's our, our sisterhood time. And it was the three of you who came up with Girl Crush. Yes. It, can you walk us through how that song came to be? So crazy. Um, it was Lori's idea, and one morning, um, you know, Lori, you know, we were. I was. I think I was making eggs, and she was making coffee, and Hillary wasn't up. And Lori said, "I've got this idea. I think we ought to try and write. It's called Girl Crush." And I do this. I immediately said, "No, we're not writing Girl Crush. How are three girls going to write Girl Crush?" She said, no, 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 I have this really good idea. I mean, I'm like, no, Lori, we're not writing Girl Crush. Um. Because sometimes I'm bossy. I'm probably bossy junkie. And um, <laughs> so Hillary came downstairs and Lori said, Hillary, I have an idea for a song. I want to write a song called Girl Crush. And literally, Hillary picked up the guitar, sat on the couch, and sang the first four lines of the song. And she said, you mean kind of like that? And Lori's going, yeah. And we're going, it's about the girl wanting to be the girl that's with the guy because she wants the guy. And then it just, we were talking about it. We were just together earlier this week and we were talking about how fast that song came out i mean literally probably an hour it just fell out and i was talking about how there weren't you know when when we write i scribble lyrics on one side of the page and there was very little we wrote that song so fast why were you initially opposed to the idea could you just not get your head around the the concept of 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 the title it just i didn't even want to think about it it, it just sounded like it was going to be a hard song for three girls to write. Hmm. It just sounded like it was going to be complicated. And it just didn't, it just didn't sound like a hit title. To me. I mean, not that I think it, that's not true. I don't think in that way. I do not think in, Oh, this sounds like a hit title. I think of, Oh, that sounds like a cool concept, but I never even gave Lori the time to give me the concept, <laughs> which is what I do sometimes. I'm like, 
No, that sounds hard to write, you know. And we we and, and we only had a couple of hours to write because we had a write with uh, Karen and Kimberly from Little Big Town, and so we were just going to have to write something really quick that morning. So I just wanted something really, you know, simple that fell out, and that's what we ended up with. <laughs> oh wow! So that song you guys already had Karen and Kimberly coming over from from Little Big Town, and and you were uh-huh. going to write with them, and then when they showed up, did you guys go, hey? listen to what we just wrote yeah it was weird because they came in and said play us what you've been writing because i think it was the second day of our writing time and so we played them some new stuff and then we said well we have one we have one more song but we had just written it and we were like y'all y'all would never cut this but it's so cool y'all to just hear it because when we did when we finished it we were like this is really cool but we're thinking that it was a, you know, a single female song, you know, a solo female. You never think that a band would do that song. Mm-hmm. Now I can't imagine anybody doing it but Little Big Town. Um, so we started playing it, and halfway through, they both looked at us and went, are you crazy? Absolutely, we would do this song. And that's how that happened. I got a girl crush. Hate to admit it, but I got a heart rush. It's slowing down. I got it real bad. Want everything she has. That smile and let me not laugh. She's giving you Did you anticipate any of the there's some minor controversy around the song when it first came out as people were kind of grappling to understand what it meant? Did did you anticipate any of that at all and did you care? Well, I we didn't care but we didn't anticipate it because we knew what the song was about. I mean, if you just listen, if you just open your ears and listen, it's so it's so clear what it's about. So no, we didn't think about it at all. Not at all. We were shocked. We were just shocked that a ballad was going to be, a ballad like that, a 6-8 was going to be a single, first of all. Um, So we were still, you know, going, wow, I can't even believe it's a single. So when that little bit of stuff happened, we were truly shocked because no one had said that to us. Does it frustrate you sometimes as a songwriter? Like, as as a music lover, I have always been a lyric person. That's probably one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast. I love the lyrics of songs. I, I draw inspiration from songs the same way other people draw inspiration from, from great writing and books and stuff. Does it ever frustrate you as a songwriter when, when somebody does misinterpret one of your songs or just doesn't, doesn't get what it's about, or th- does that matter to you? You know, I... It... <laughs> I, I, I never get that far down the road. You know, it's like if it's a single and people love it, they either love it or they don't. I think for me, all I care about is that I love it. And, you know, um, I don't really get that much farther. Once I write it and turn it in, I'm pretty much gone. I do have a couple of songs that, that I feel like I wish more people had heard or will hear, but you never know. But um, I kind of move on down the road. That's that's a healthy and, and, that's a healthy attitude, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Or I should work harder at getting my songs cut. 
<laughs> There's always that. Now, but I'll end up doing them in shows and stuff. If I if if it's something that I really I'm really close to, I'll just you know, I'll just start sticking it in writers' rounds. And have have you had an artist uh, uh, pick up a song that way? Um, you know, sober that little big town cut and save your sin that little big town cut. They heard it a writer's round. I always wanted Save Your Sin to be a, a single because that is one I of the... No. That vocal is just pure fire. Same kind of urgency in the original form that, yeah, that Kimberly yeah, brought to she it. She gave it more. She, Kimberly gave it a lot more fire. That, that's one of the most amazing vocals. It's really great. I didn't know you wrote that one. I've done all this research. Yeah. I didn't know you wrote that one. One of the things about your story that that I just love is that you ended up in Nashville at the age of thirty seven. First of all, what what were you doing in your in your twenties, and and did you always have Nashville in the back of your head, or oh, never, no. Um, let's see, in my twenties, well, I was raising my son and probably looking for a new husband. <laughs> <laughs> And working, you know, trying to figure out what my career was. So I did a lot of different jobs. You know, I worked in a bank. And and then um, I got, you know, I got remarried and had another baby at 30 and then 32. And, no, my husband was uh, my, well, he's my ex now, but um, he was a, a songwriter. And um, so I, I'd never written a song or even thought about it. Never, ever, never. Never wrote a poem. Never wrote in a journal. I'm, I mean, I've always loved songs. I've always loved songwriters, but that was him. And, and, you know, we wrote a couple of songs as a joke. When I got to Nash, we moved to Nashville for him to, for him to write and, and go to work at, at a label. And so I ended up getting a job as a song plugger. I met somebody at a party and he hired me to work for his publishing company. And I did that and learned how to do that and started my own publishing company and started working with writers and, Got this company going and started writing with one of my writers for fun because I had ideas. And, you know, people just kind of, I don't know, I just could rhyme. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, that's how I fell into it. That's that's incredible. That's not a template that's easy to follow. No. And, and it, it, it's kind of, you know, what I've always done. You know, I've just always, I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to figure it out. I just, that's how I live. If I... If I'd ever sat down and said I want to be a songwriter, I would have never done it. But I never thought I could because I didn't know that I could. I had no idea. And by the way, you don't play an instrument. I think, are you starting to learn now? Or you... I am. I am. I've, I've been practicing guitar. I have a, a beautiful Gibson and I want to play so bad. And people I've written with said, you know, said, please don't try to play guitar, you know, and write. So I just want to learn to play my songs. And so I keep getting a new guitar, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get better on this one. <laughs> it's the guitar. It's not me. You just alluded to something that I wanted to ask about. Not being able to play an instrument. Did that help you bring, um, I don't know, a different creative perspective to the to the writing process? Well, I'm not trying to be an artist. So I don't have a sound. You know, I'm not stuck in a pocket. I'm not stuck in a in a sound. I'm not stuck in a, this is how I write. This is me as an artist. This is where we're going to go. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, one of so, our uh, previous guests on this podcast, Brett James, talked about exactly that. He thinks that it's really important for, especially if you are if you are just a songwriter, don't have a style. He's asked all the time, "What kind of style should I have, or should I, you know, have a style at all?" And he says, "No, you shouldn't. You should be open to all different forms and inspirations." Yeah, because a, an artist writer is always going to go to where they're comfortable, and so they're going to push that off on every song without even knowing it. I mean, I know a lot of writer artists that love it when when another guitar player or piano player comes in because they can put it down and kind of get out of their comfort zone and and do something different. I guess does it make you more pliable as a co-writer? Yeah, definitely. But it's also it also hinders me sometimes because I've got to write with an artist that's really good musically, or I got to have a third person in the room, mm-hmm. which is not always a bad thing. You have a quote, and I love this. You say that every time you write a song, you learn something new. So you are you write all the time. You're learning something new, I would guess, almost every day. Yeah. You know, I try and learn every time to just be be quiet for a minute, you know, um, and listen to, you know, because sometimes I'm really fast, and it, and sometimes I'm just, I'm just too fast. I need to, and that's not always, that's not a good thing. That's just me being excited and thinking of rhyme. but it, but it's so important to sit back and listen to other people in the room you know i learned that from just a couple of months ago i, I sat in a room with tom douglas and he said hey let's just let's just everybody just sit here and let's just keep let's just throw our ideas let's, listen, let's all listen to each other's ideas and, and figure out what's the best thing to do and you know and 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 nobody's ever said that, you know, so then I pass it on, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to do that. I'm like, so I'm going, well, I got this idea, but what's your idea? And what's your idea? And what do you, how do you think mine goes? And I'm trying to take more time at, at that, but I do, I do try and learn something every time I'm in a write. Today, I learned that even when you're 30 minutes late and you don't have much time, you can still get a really great song. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote another future hit, did you? I hope so. One thing I wanted to ask, if I have the timeline right, you were kind of just getting going as a songwriter when you were paired up with a young Taylor Swift. How did that pairing come to be? How were you chosen to be the one that would would write with this future superstar? Well, I had had some hits. I'd had um, I'd had a couple of things, singles, and and. And I and I think it was the way I wrote, and then Taylor heard a couple of songs I did at a writers round, and and from that asked me to write because she liked the songs and she liked the way I wrote, and because as we wrote, I let her write her songs. You know those lyrics are Taylor lyrics. They're not, you know. There was I was what forty and she was fifteen, 
So, but I understood her because my girls were her age. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just I just helped her write her songs. Wow, you know what? I, that that is a really interesting point. You had daughters who were her age at the time, mm-hmm. and if she'd been paired with somebody else who maybe couldn't relate on that level, maybe right, right. maybe her first songs come out differently. Yeah, she and my daughter Haley were the same age, so they were going through all the same things at school, and. Uh, my other daughter's singer-songwriter, so, you know, it was kind of everybody was going through the same thing. Do you remember the first song you wrote with her? Uh, yeah, I do. It was called Nevermind. Did that ever make an album? No, it didn't, and I and it was, it was pretty pop, and I remember how fast we wrote it, and how I was kind of like, well, I don't know what I was doing here, <laughs> because she's so fast, and she's so good, and I think they asked me, could I get her to write something more country, and I pretty much said, you're not going to get her to do anything that she doesn't feel. Um, she knows exactly who she is. She knew exactly what she wanted to write. And she was on her own journey, and and she was figuring it out on her own. You know, no one ever pushed her into anything that she wrote or said or, you know, that was, it was her. I just kind of hung in there and, and helped her write her own stories and didn't, you know, and because I'm not an artist or a player, I didn't interfere with creating Taylor Swift. I just helped her do what she was, where she was going. I didn't try and change what, what was natural to her. I just helped. Yeah, I've heard you've said in other interviews that you don't really like being referred to as sort of Taylor Swift's editor, uh, but at the same time, you sort of accepted that that's kind of in retrospect what you were. Is that Accurate? Well, you know, when you're a songwriter and you've got these hits and you, you know, someone says that, you kind of go, wait a minute, I was, a, I'm a, 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 what? And then, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of go, that, I mean, that was my role. And it was, an, it was very important because anyone else might have, ta- you know, the reason Taylor worked is because it was Taylor. It was her viewpoint and her you know, look at what a great writer she is when she writes by herself. You know, she wrote Love Story by herself. She wrote Our Song by herself. So it was more guiding. It, it was editing and guiding. And, you know, let's turn this this line around. But the beautiful thing was is those are her words. And I'm really proud that I didn't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, uh, the, the song that you two co-wrote that you didn't screw up the most might be "You Belong to Me," which what, oh my god! And that song is just so different, and it stood out just immediately. I remember the first few times we played it; it just is so different, and it's just so well crafted. Talk about how that song came to be. Uh, she just she, she called me on a I think it was, she called me on a a Saturday and said. Um, I'm I'm finishing the record on Monday. Do you want to write tomorrow? And I was like, sure. And she came over and we wrote You Belong With Me because I think she needed wanted it up tempo and that was what was on her mind. And I, I honestly, we wrote it so fast. And the, after going, going into the studio that week and hearing what they did to it when they cut it, I was so blown away. You're on the phone with your girlfriend She's upset She's going off about something that you said Cause she doesn't get your humor like 
I knew we wrote a fun Taylor Liz song, but did not dream of how big that song was going to be. I really didn't. But she did. She hears the production when she's writing the song. And not everybody can do that. No. Mm-mm. No, but she always did it. She wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts, she's cheer captain. When you've written a hit? No. No. I think I've written a hit a lot of times, but <laughs> I don't know. That's the artist's job. I mean, that's not, I just, I can't, I just got to write it and get out of the way and hope that, you know, because there's so many factors to a hit. You know, a hit is something that happens after all these people do their jobs. Now, a great song, a moving song, um, a song you're proud of, a song you love, you know that that song immediately. But a hit, there's no way you know that. Because a hit is something that, you know, all, all, the, all the stars have to align and a miracle has to happen. And, you know, and then everybody's got to do their job better than they've ever done it to have a hit. Have you ever written a song, it gets recorded, it becomes a hit that sounded nothing like what you envisioned when you were in the, the writer's room that day? No, because I have no vision. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most honest answer ever. <laughs> I have no I mean, like I say, I just rhyme. I mean, I just get in there and get the words down. And go, but, I thought Girl Crush was amazing. I thought it was better than we ever dreamed it could be when, after they cut it, mm-hmm. after what Jake did and didn't do to it, uh, we were, we were blown away. Does it matter to you who a song ends up with, or do you ever write with, Oh man, this, this might sound good if Blake Shelton cut it. Well, you always do that. We always do that. You know, whether that happens or not. Um, I mean, I think it happened once. I think one to I, you know, I remember my first, probably my, one of my first big cuts was a, a Trisha Yearwood song called Harmless Heart. And I remember we finished the song and said, oh, this is so dark, nobody will ever cut it except maybe Trisha Yearwood. And she did, which was really cool. You can run, you can hide, love will still come to find you. You can turn it away, keep romance. I'm not like one of those writers. Some of these people, they're so great. You know, they can they can write a song and cast it while they're writing it, and I, I can't do that. I just got to write the song. I got to write the feeling that's in the room, the emotion that's in the room, and then hope that the people around me get it to the right artist, and it, you know, and it and hope that I, I, you know, something happens and I can make a living. Has there been any one time when someone has come up to you 
knew who you were and told you about a song that made a difference in their life that really impacted you? Yeah, I had a I had a lady um, come up to me one night, her, a, a woman and her daughter, and um, I had sung a Better Boat that Kenny Chesney recorded, and um, it was really something. She came up to me and said that um, she was in recovery um, from from alcohol and that she listened to that song every day, every morning when she got up. And that, that that was her song. And then I had a friend that is uh, going through cancer and said, that's, that's my song. That's, that's what's getting me through my treatments. Um, you know, so that, that just, that really gets me. I ain't lonely, but I spend a lot of time alone. More than I'd like to. I'm okay with staying home My how the last few months have changed A smile more despite the pain I breathe in I breathe out Got friends to call who let me talk about What ain't working What's still hurting All the things I feel like cussing out Now and then I let it go I ride the waves I can't control I'm learning how to build a better boat and then I have this song, Grocery Money, that was on my record, Swimming Alone. And it's been funny to hear people talk about how that song hit them, their different take on it. Because it was my song, and the take on it for me was about me and my mom. And, you know, shopping and, you know, afraid that I'd spent all the money. But I had a woman come up to me one night and say, I wish my daughters had been here to hear that. You know, there were so many times when I, I, I the child support check didn't cash and or didn't come and you know this song is so important to us and so it's just so weird how people hear a song and they take it for their own you know and it moves them in some way it's just amazing so i jumped in closed my eyes there was a party going on with nobody home no one of mine me looking to find me I was outside in the backyard swimming alone. Well, Liz Rose, I, I can't tell you how... I can't believe 30 minutes has gone by already. Um, <laughs> so I know we need to wrap this up. You've got songs to write and businesses to tend to and everything else, grandkids to get to. Uh, but thank you so, so much for, for talking with us today. And gosh, if we can set up another chat sometime, I would love to do so. Let me know. I'm I'm here. You're awesome. Thank you, you so much. You got my number. I, I do, yes. And and we've got the time zone thing figured out now, too. So I know. I'm, I'm, God, I, I could not figure that out. <laughs> yeah, well, inside look how this podcast came together. We're on the West Coast. You were back in Nashville. And, <laughs> and I kept scheduling for 10 a.m. And you thought it was 10 a.m. Nashville time. And I was there. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we got it down. We got it done. And I can't thank you enough. It's been a kick talking to you. Thank you. I learned how to 
just about do it for this month's edition of write you a song thank you very much for listening and again if you enjoy this podcast please tell others about it especially if they're songwriting geeks like i am or like you are uh, it's available free across all podcast platforms and we're starting to get a little reach as they call it we had two listeners last month in the philippines how about that we get five we'll do a live broadcast from manila just kidding shout out to our parent company bonneville communications and the radio station where i'm located new country 105.1 knci in sacramento california and a big thank you again to songwriter city the best kept secret in the world of entertainment and the folks who helped make this month's interview possible, and a couple others as well. Songwriter City makes the mostly unknown people behind the songs we all know and love available to you, bringing world-class songwriters like Liz Rose or Tim Nichols or the Warren Brothers to your corporate or special event. Uh, Liz, talk about Songwriter City and what you get to do through this company. Well, I love Songwriter City because it's, it's opening people's eyes and ears up to where songs come from. You know, usually when people hear a song or think of a song, they only think of the artist, which is fantastic. But I think it's been so fun to, you know, play these shows and then people come up to you and go, oh, my gosh, I I never realized what the songwriter does. I never realized that, you know, where these come from. And I, I, I you know, I it's it's such a great experience to hear the songwriter sing the song. And um, it's just so fun. It's fun to kind of just go play these songs and meet people and 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 get to hear firsthand how the song moved them, you know, because I know the artists love that, and that's what keeps them going, but it, it's really great as a songwriter to hear that. Seriously, check them out. Go to songwritercity.com or email info at songwritercity.com. In fact, Songwriter City helps set up next month's podcast guest, who's written songs like these. Southern girl, oh, thank God, I'm still a guy. Lee Thomas Miller joins us next time on Write You a Song. I'm Tom Maley. Thank you again for listening.